0: Welcome to a podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical
1: Therapists.
0: Our Academy is a national organization committed to excellence in orthopedic manual physical therapy practice, education, and research, and we're here to explore a wide range of topics with you through interviews with content experts. Hello. My name is Stephen Schaefer, and I'm excited to bring our listening audience a conversation with Dr. Shannon Peterson. Dr. Peterson is a manual physical therapist, educator, and scientist with a special interest in examination and treatment of patients with spinal pain and headaches. She is a professor in the Doctor of Physical Therapy program at Des Moines University in Des Moines, Iowa, and her manual therapy fellowship training was completed at Regis University in Denver, Colorado. Dr. Peterson currently serves as the Senior Deputy Editor for the Journal of Manual and Manipulative Therapy. She is a member of the Research Committee of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists, and she is a member of the Specialization Academy of Content Experts of the American Physical Therapy Association. Our conversation today revolves around a recent scientific paper authored by Dr. Peterson and her colleagues, which is specific to rhinosinusitis, sometimes simply referred to as sinusitis or inflamed sinuses and whether or not rhinosinusitis is related to neck pain, which of course is very related to the physical therapy profession. However, we do take an opportunity to expand on the topic a little by talking about other key variables associated with headache pain. I hope you enjoy the episode. Now let's dive in and hear from our esteemed guest. Dr. Peterson, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today?
1: Great. Thanks, Steve. How are you?
0: Doing very well. I'm very excited to have you as our guest today. In particular, the topic we're going to talk about is one that I find to be fascinating. Speaking of which, let's start with an introduction to the reason we invited you here. You were one of three authors on a recent paper, which was published online in February of 2019 by the Journal of Manual and Manipulative Therapy. The title of the paper is Self-reported sinus headaches are associated with neck pain and cervical musculoskeletal dysfunction, a preliminary observational case control study. Can you tell our audience a little bit about this paper and why you dove into this topic?
1: This is a topic I'd been interested in for some time. And um, before we go on, I just wanted to acknowledge my co-authors on this paper, Professors Gwen Jull and Ken Learman, who worked with me. So... As far as the idea for this study, I got that initially through clinical observation, just talking with my patients. I've had patients that I was seeing for neck pain tell me that their neck stiffness and their sinus problems coincide. And after having a few patients share that same experience with me, it sparked my curiosity. So I wanted to investigate a little further and to see if there was actually some sort of connection between neck pain and the sinuses.
0: That's definitely the type of relationship I've seen with symptoms in the clinic as well, which is one of the reasons why I was so interested when I saw this paper come out in JMMT. Building off that point, this is obviously, it sounds like, and please correct me if I'm wrong, an initial type of investigation. In other words, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of background data on this, unlike, for example, some other topics. Is this you and your co-authors just diving in and really trying to begin to see what's going on in this type of situation?
1: Yes, this is definitely just a starting point um, because nothing like this had ever been done before. I had done searches to to try to see what may have been investigated in the past in regards to the neck, whether it's just pain or or musculoskeletal dysfunction as it relates to sinus headaches, and there really isn't anything out there yet. I thought this would just be a starting point to at least first identify whether or not people with sinus headaches do report neck pain. And that would just give us a, a base to get started and, and explore further from there.
0: That sounds like a very logical starting point. We, we know from a musculoskeletal standpoint, for example, that neighboring regions often are involved when you know either region A or region B have a painful complaint or some other problem. So why wouldn't we also want to investigate something like the sinuses in relationship, or at least in this case, sinus headache pain in relationship to the neck? It just seems logical to me. Absolutely. I imagine one of the difficulties here was the fact that these two topics seem to be in different realms. One of them is more medical. One of them is more musculoskeletal. Did that create any dysfunction or problems or difficulties while you were putting the project into motion?
1: It definitely was a challenge because sinus headaches or rhinosinusitis isn't something that we typically see in PT and definitely aren't the ones that would diagnose this problem. So yeah, it it definitely was a challenge and was, was a good learning opportunity.
0: That's one of the beautiful parts of science, right? We're always trying to forge our way into new territory. So I commend you and your co-authors on this. And one of the things I noticed in the paper is the fact that you're dealing here with self-reported rhinosinusitis. Why was that the case as opposed to, say, something more formal from a diagnostic criteria standpoint?
1: Well, you know, when I started reviewing the literature about sinus headaches initially, What I learned is that migraine headaches and tension-type headaches are often misdiagnosed as being sinus headaches. Now what I found interesting about this is that misdiagnosis happens whether the sinus headaches are diagnosed through self-diagnosis or even through physician diagnosis. So misdiagnosis happens with both of those, Um, so it made me wonder. If people were also attributing their headaches to the sinuses when there could potentially be a cervicogenic component, I think our patients might not recognize that the neck can have a role in their headaches. So I thought looking at self-reported sinus headaches would be a good starting point.
0: I think that sounds like a great starting point, especially because you're diving into some new research territory here, and as you and I are both well aware hopefully all of our audience members are aware of this, the realm of headache evaluation and management gets real complicated really quickly. So I'd like to point out that you just dove in to territory mentioning not just rhinosinusitis or sinus headaches, but also cervicogenic headaches and migraine headaches. That's super important from an intake standpoint, from a subjective standpoint, from a physical exam standpoint. Can you walk us through a little bit of how you approach that differentiation in the process, and feel free not to just stick to the paper here, but what you do clinically as well.
1: Sure, yeah, well, the diagnosis component can be confusing because there are so many different types of headaches, uh, so many different causes and contributing factors to headaches. So I'll just point out a few things that I found useful clinically. I think through the history alone we can get a lot of information temporal relationship, for example, I'll start with headaches attributed to rhinosinusitis. Did the headaches develop at the same time or close to the same time as the sinus symptoms developed? Okay, so that can be one indicator. And along those same lines, does the headache get better or worse in parallel with the the degree of the sinus symptoms? Those same types of questions are actually useful In patients with cervicogenic headaches as well. So did the headaches come on at the same time as your neck problems? Does the headache get better or worse when the neck problem gets better or worse? Starting out with those uh, temporal questions can definitely be helpful. Another factor that's helpful in differential diagnosis is the headache location. Cervicogenic headaches, for example, we think of those as being side-locked unilateral, meaning they're always on one side of the head and they're always on the same side. Where migraines are unilateral as well, but they can be unilateral with side shift, meaning they can be on the right side sometimes or they can be on the left side, but it's just one side at a time. Tension type headaches are the outlier here. They're bilateral. They're on both sides of the head. But what's unique about headaches attributed to rhinosinusitis is they can be bilateral if the sinuses on both sides of the face are involved, or they can be unilateral if the sinuses on one side are involved. And in that case, then, the headache would be on the side ipsilateral to the involved sinus. With headaches attributed to rhinosinusitis, we think about those common sinus-type symptoms that patients are going to complain of, the facial pain and pressure, the nasal congestion, runny nose, impaired sense of smell. One of the challenges with some of those features, though, is that they do overlap with other headache types that we might actually be seeing in PT. So for example, that facial pain and pressure can also be associated with tension-type headaches, the runny nose, watery eyes can also be associated with migraines. We really have to look at the whole picture, the whole patient presentation. So those are a lot of subjective factors. We can also look at physical exam. One example for patients with headaches attributed to rhinosinusitis is that their headache would be exacerbated by manual pressure applied over those paranasal sinuses. So that would be painful. It would reproduce their headaches. and if we think about our patients with cervicogenic headaches, it's kind of along the same lines where we can actually reproduce that cervicogenic headache with provocation to those involved segments in their neck. So those are a a few things that can guide us clinically. um, And I'd encourage people to also look at the international classification of headache disorders, which is going to outline um, all of the diagnostic criteria for each of those headache types.
0: That was a great summary. And a couple of things really stand out to me. The first is that these clinical patterns are really complicated and have a lot of overlap. And, you know, that makes me go back to the part where you said earlier that there's a lot of misdiagnosis, whether it's the patient diagnosing themselves or a medical professional. And if you just consider all those details, that's not surprising at all. Yeah, absolutely. There's
1: there's a quite a bit of overlap among those symptoms.
0: And I would imagine not just overlap, but can't people have more than one headache type at the same
1: time? That's very common, Steve, yes, particularly in chronic headaches. It's, it's very common for people to have more than one type of headache, and even up to four types of headaches is, is not uncommon in that population. The thing is, each type of headache then would have to be identified so that it could be treated. Because if we just treat one type of headache, the patient's going to continue to suffer with those other types of headaches that potentially were not identified or, or treated.
0: And isn't that precisely why people like physical therapists need to be able to say, yes, this patient appears to have a cervicogenic headache, but they also possibly have a, a case of rhinosinusitis, so I need to be able to treat the musculoskeletal impairments here in my clinic But then maybe get the patient off to some other appropriate provider who can deal with the other symptoms.
1: It's pretty common for me clinically when I'm seeing someone with chronic headaches to identify more than one type of headache and to let them know this one type of headache that you have can be addressed in physical therapy, but you might still get headaches based on this other cause, which would have to be addressed separately.
0: In thinking about that, I go back again to your earlier answer, and you mentioned palpation of the paranasal sinuses. And I imagine that some of our audience isn't accustomed to doing that. Can you describe, anatomically speaking, where exactly you're palpating when you're trying to verify if there is, in fact, pain over the sinuses?
1: Absolutely. So the frontal sinuses are going to be um, in the forehead area, just above the eyebrows. The sphenoid and ethmoid sinuses are more um, along the bridge of the nose along that lateral bridge by the eyes, and the maxillary sinuses then are going to be just underneath the zygomatic arches. So just some gradual pressure applied to those to see if they bring on any of the headache symptoms. You know, there are other uh, tests that are done that are not done by PTs. Imaging and, and nasal endoscopy are also used for diagnosis in uh, sinus conditions. But obviously, those aren't something we're going to be doing in a PT clinic.
0: That was a great answer, and I like it a lot. And of course, we know as clinicians, there are other types of tools that we can rely on. Can you tell our audience about a couple of the self-report outcome measures that are commonly utilized
1: in these instances? Sure. You know, the the self-report outcome measures that we use are going to be unique to the type of patient. As far as... Um, The questionnaires we used for this study, the first one we used was the headache impact test or the HIT-6. That's a nice one because it's short and when patients have headaches and they probably don't want to be reading a lot and and filling out a long questionnaire, so it's easy to administer, it's easy for the patient. The HIT-6 is designed to assess impact that headaches have on quality of life And it's also used to measure change over time, like response to treatment. The thing about the HIT-6 is it is specifically intended for people with migraine headaches. And it's a valid and reliable tool when it's used for people with migraines. So obviously, the people in our current study didn't have migraines, but There are no quality of life questionnaires specific to sinus headaches. So we used it in combination with another questionnaire because we used the HIT-6 to capture that headache piece. The other questionnaire that we used is the sinonasal outcome test. The sinonasal outcome test is specific for patients with rhinosinusitis, However, it is not intended specifically for people with sinus headaches, so that's why we combined it with the HIT-6 to get that headache component as well. The sinonasal outcome test, it's 22 items, therefore it is abbreviated as the SNOT-22, so you might hear it called that. Um, But it is also valid and reliable, and it's used to track change over time, uh, to track responses to treatments. Those are the ones that we used with this study. A lot of the questions in this Not 22 are going to be related um, specifically to those major factors that are used in diagnosis of rhinosinusitis.
0: If we could go back just a brief moment, you said something that really kind of caught me off guard, and honestly, I should have already known this and I did not. I find it fascinating that there are currently no quality of life measures for sinus headaches. And I, I say that in part because... Obviously, sinus headaches are a very large problem that many people suffer with, and I'm just amazed that no one's gone down that route to create that outcome measure yet.
1: Yeah, so um, there is a question about headaches on the SNOT-22, but yeah, there's nothing specific to, to sinus headaches themselves. One
0: of the things that you're saying, one of the outcomes of your paper is to report that sinus headaches are in fact likely related or related to neck pain. Can you speak for a moment about the directionality of that relationship? Are people with neck pain getting sinus problems? Are people with sinus problems getting neck pain? Can that relationship go one way, both ways?
1: How does it actually play out clinically? Those are great questions, Steve. The thing is, we don't have enough information to answer those questions yet. Right now, all we really know is that in our study, most of the participants with self-reported sinus headaches reported having neck pain. And interestingly, the frequency that they reported having neck pain was similar to that seen in patients with migraine and tension-type headaches. I think a number of things could contribute to neck pain in people with rhinosinusitis. Uh, One possibility relates to the trigeminal system, The trigeminal system is responsible for the nasal symptoms that are associated with rhinosinusitis, and anatomically, it's linked to the upper cervical spine, so we see that there could be a potential relationship there. It's also possible that the neck is a contributing factor to the headaches in these patients. So in other words, not everyone who gets rhinosinusitis also gets headaches. It's possible that there's a connection with the neck in those people who do get headaches with their rhinosinusitis. More work needs to be done before we really know what the relationship is between neck pain and sinuses. The other thing that we're not sure about yet in this relationship is that the participants in our study all had self-reported sinus headaches. So we don't know yet if there's a relationship between the neck and diagnosis of headaches attributed to rhinosinusitis.
0: Part of what I think I hear you saying is that the relationship seems to exist. We don't know all the parameters. So that means, for example, that an orthopedic manual physical therapist needs to consider a relatively broad range of variables, keep an open mind, and then just like any other area that we're evaluating and treating, progress as the patient-specific variables indicate.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think those patients are just going to be, you know, we're going to need to examine them on a case-to-case basis and and see if they present with any musculoskeletal dysfunction that is um, amenable to treatment by physical therapy.
0: And I would imagine that we can put something like sinus headaches in a, let's be honest, a really long list of things that we should be considering an example that comes to mind uh, extremely readily is the fact that i had a patient recently who is mostly better kind of still suffering and just couldn't get that last whatever it was 20 30% improvement and the big thing that i figured out was that their sleep patterns were disrupted by caffeine so you know we did a little education we changed their habits we addressed the remaining problems and the pain that was previously associated or at least believed to be associated with a musculoskeletal impairment got better. And I I really see these as, you know, of course, not exactly the same thing, but it's the orthopedic manual physical therapist thinking more broadly, pulling in more variables and making sure that our patients receive comprehensive health care.
1: Yes, absolutely. There are so many potential contributing factors to musculoskeletal problems and, and to pain in general.
0: Speaking of pain, there's a word that keeps coming up today that uh, is perhaps one of my favorite, least favorite words, and that is migraine headaches. It's one of the things that I treat clinically. It's one of the things I've presented on. It's uh, obviously a very tangential relationship to any conversation about neck pain or headaches. Uh, If you don't mind, let's dive into that for a quick minute before we finish.
1: So I don't see many patients in the clinic with migraines, who are coming specifically for migraine treatment. Who I see is people who might have coexisting headache types. So perhaps I'm treating them for one type of headache, for cervicogenic headache, for example, and they also happen to have migraine headaches. So I would say that's more commonly been my experience.
0: I think that sounds really consistent with what I've seen in the clinic as well in terms of how most people interact with the topic. Uh, Just like you noticed a relationship with sinus headaches and neck pain and wanted to dive into that realm from a research standpoint, one of the things I've noticed a lot of is a relationship between neck pain and headache. And unlike your topic from today, there's actually a relatively large amount of background research on migraine pain as it relates to headaches. That's something that honestly I didn't know about until relatively recently, and, you know, I enjoy diving into the topic. And I honestly, I, I don't think I ever treat migraines directly, uh, just like we don't treat sinus headaches directly. But I know that when I treat the clinical variables associated with migraine headaches, so for example, temporomandibular joint problems, cervical spine problems, et cetera, my migraine sufferers get better. And typically everyone's happy when that's the outcome.
1: Absolutely. And I wonder if that... uh not only just the coexisting headache types, but perhaps if some of those patients have a central sensitization component where maybe that's addressed when you're treating one area, there might be some carryover into the migraine as well. So do you think that's some of what you might be seeing?
0: Absolutely. Uh, there are a lot of theories out there. You know, I don't think the actual details of the situation have been fully uncovered and perhaps maybe never will be, but I very much had the migraine question in my head when you were talking about the potential pain mechanisms behind the relationship between neck pain and sinus headaches. And you know, quite frankly, it could be the same, it could be different, but again, we haven't fully figured that out yet.
1: Right. I definitely think that's an area where there's a lot of room for exploration and and a lot of unanswered questions.
0: That's a hundred percent true. And unfortunately, I think we can say that about most areas, which is you know both a promising thing for researchers out there you know their their jobs not going to be over anytime soon but for those of us that like to understand things and be correct it's also a bit intimidating that's for sure with that overall topic as a backdrop for the next question are there any projects currently that you're working on or that you have that are going to be published in the near future the
1: next step for me would be to repeat the study that we talked about today but using participants who have a physician diagnosis of headaches attributed to rhinosinusitis rather than the self report so i think it'd be nice just to to follow up and see if we if our findings will be confirmed in the next study
0: that sounds like exactly the type of study we would expect to see as a follow up to the one that was just conducted i look forward to potentially seeing that in the future and learning about the results
1: well thanks steve appreciate your interest and appreciate your support
0: it's our pleasure to give it. And, you know, we haven't said this yet, but uh, let's also say thank you for your support of the Academy. Uh, I know you've done a lot of work with with our Academy, and it's greatly appreciated.
1: Thanks, Steve. I, I always love working with the Academy and a great group of people.
0: If any of our listeners want to get a hold of you and ask questions about your current study, how do they find you?
1: Email is the easiest route. Uh, my email address is shannon.peterson, that's S-H-A-N-N-O-N dot P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N at D-M-U dot E-D-U.
0: We will link to that in the show notes, and I would also imagine that you're listed as the contact author on this current paper. Is that correct? That's correct. Once again, thank you for being on the podcast, and we look forward to hearing from you in the future. Thanks, Steve. This has been a production of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. You can learn more about the Academy by visiting our website at aaompt.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for our acronym, AAOMPT.